0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Episode of Cats Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy here outside Knoxville, Tennessee. Terry TB Branch be along shortly. We got another fun show in the works. So appreciate y'all tuning in. If you want to give us a call, don't hesitate. 845 277 9373 at Cats Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. Cats Talk W E D on the Facebook page or on Twitter. Feel free to throw comments there, interact there, whatever you want to do. We're going to talk Final Four, men's and women's. College basketball is officially over. UK news, notes. Everybody's looking at who's going to go, who's going to stay, all that. Uh, UK baseball and softball with big wins yesterday. We talked about that as well. Got some miscellaneous brackets that Terry and I might jump into kind of close out March Madness. If you saw us, putting them on the Facebook page last week. It'll be some fun stuff. You know, it's all about brackets in March. So have to see some of the little miscellaneous, different type of stuff that was on the bracket that we might have to delve into since college basketball's over, NBA playoffs haven't started yet, kinda veer off topic into some other different things. But it's still gonna be fun as well. So look forward to that. We got a couple guests this evening. At about
2: 6.30,
1: you know, we'll talk a little Atlanta Braves baseball. Fred Owens from TomahawkTech.com is going to call in the Braves beat the uh, Washington Nationals again this afternoon and take that series two out of three. So we'll talk some Atlanta Braves baseball with Fred. 7.15, this guest just kind of messaged and said it would be cool if I come on. Uh, We cross paths on Twitter. Mike Bassetti, Mike Bassetti. Of RaptorsRapture.com Say that three times fast RaptorsRapture.com Covers all things Toronto Raptors So as we mentioned the NBA playoffs Are right around the corner So we we'll are talking Toronto Raptors With Mike Bassetti at 7-15 So we got two fun guests Final Four Talk, Women's Final Four All kinds of fun things to get to KTV Brown is along for the ride as well TB man how's everything going with you to see
3: it, it's spring break week, so uh, I'm at, oh. at home and I've been <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's been fun and adventurous. So uh, a lot to a lot to go over, a lot to, a lot to get through. So pretty pretty excited. Definitely, definitely we had ours
1: last week, and my sister wanted to have our two boys. She's like, uh, she's like, hadn't got them in a while, so I want to just grab them up, so she had our boys for most of the week, and uh, she's like, I gotta beat dad, so by the time dad will get them on breaks, and they'll take a little trip here and there, and, and do grandfather, grandson stuff, If my wife and I are still working, but my sis got them last week, and they had a ball, so uh, they're back in Well, my oldest is back in the ground to go back to school, the youngest will start this coming summer in August, but yeah, it's is that time of year for everybody here? If you haven't had it, you're about to or maybe you just finished
3: so um
1: glad Big Miss and Little Miss are enjoying their break and now having all kinds of fun up there.
3: Yeah, we're doing doing a few things, so it's it's exciting, fun stuff. A lot of spring cleaning. <laughs> I saw that. Who'd you put to work? It was on Instagram? You were putting somebody to work. Hey, you got if you gonna eat you gotta work, man. was the
0: rules. the it was a little
3: miss.
1: I think it was your youngest that you had she was cleaning up something, so yeah. You know, it yeah
0: they she like she do
1: the same they gotta do the same stuff we had to do, you know. We had chores and that do this, gotta do that, so gotta kinda break them in the same way we got it. Absolutely. Well, we got all kinds of stuff to talk about. As I mentioned at the Open, a lot of people looking at the decisions we get into the U.K. guys and where they will or won't go, might or might not do, things of that nature. Kind of got to close the book on the final four for the men and the women. Uh, and we got some miscellaneous brackets that you brought up last week, but we didn't really get to talk about them. So maybe your one bracket the first hour, one bracket the second hour, because we talked about your Disney-Pixar bracket, but then you found a couple more. And then it's going to be too much fun not to talk about uh, as we move on from March Bandits and all the bracket talk that everybody talks about at this time of year anyway. So you you found a couple of cool brackets that it would just be fun to kick around uh, before we finish up this show as well. But Villanova, was too strong for Michigan. They uh, get their second title in three years, uh, joining Florida, who went back to back, Kentucky in 96 and 98, and then what, Duke in 91 and 92, as the four teams that have done that two titles in three years since the massive UCLA 10 in a row dynasty under John Wooden. So, um, you know, I got Tippy Hat, Jay Wright. Jalen Brunson, Bridges, uh, Dante showed out off the bench. Um, Michigan tried to hang for a little bit, but Villanova pulled away and won all of their games by double digits. So uh, you got to tip your hat. They they were solid all year long. You know, don't really see them much. Or, or I didn't, with them playing on FS1. And, you know, you knew they were good. You see the polls every week, but. Uh, You know, Brunson was struggling. Dante DeSinzo stepped right in and had the game of games. kind of like your guy, your personal friend, Luke Hancock, when he played in the title game against Michigan.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
3: Uh, (laughs) Exactly. He he didn't play with us last night, but, yeah, you know, we usually play with him. And uh, I I, I was hoping he was going to play because I was going to pick his brain and said, hey, that's kind of your thing to come off the bench in a title game and score 20-plus points and, you know, shoot the lights out. But uh, uh, it was a good Final Four. Uh, uh, I've seen a lot of reports where this was the least-watched Final Four uh, championship game ever recorded, which is which is bad. <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for that you can't really blame the two teams. I mean, they were two really, really good teams. You had uh, Villanova, as you said, going for their second uh, in three, second title in three years, Michigan going for their second overall title. Uh, so there was a lot of excitement. But uh, I, I think having the game on TBS, letting it start at 9 o'clock, uh, I, I think that, that's dooming the NCA, we kind of get on them for a, a myriad of, of reasons, but I think letting your premier event, and, and keep in mind the bowl game, the bowl games, the football side of Division One uh, is not controlled by the NCA. So men's basketball is the premier event that it has, and and they're kind of. Making it where it's hard if you're on the East Coast, you're making it hard to watch, even for as a casual fan. So they really have to look at at that uh, moving forward. They won't, but they should.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, and I I don't know. Was this year the first year it was just on TBS? I, mean,
2: I thought I was, it was on it TNT
3: to... a couple of years ago. Uh, it, this is the trade-off that we as the public get. Uh, I was talking to some people during the tournament, and you're old enough to remember, uh, Vinny, when, you know, all we had was CBS, and you had to cross your fingers that your local station would whip around to your to, to Kentucky, you know, and, and as a kid growing up uh, here in Louisville, there were I remember there were a lot of instances where Kentucky, Louisville, IU were all overlapping at the same time. And poor uh, Channel 32 locally, it's like who do you? I mean, who do you? Who do you pull the trigger for? You know, you could say Louisville, well, Kentucky. I mean, that's a big one. Indiana, I can see not putting, but but they were both really, really. All three were really, really good in the 80s, and that was a tough call. So here we are for the last four or five years, where you could see every game in its entirety. We joke about, you know, when March rolls around, now's the time you figure out where True TV is on your dial. Uh, So the trade-off is TNT and TBS get the championship game, get the final four uh, every couple of years. I don't know the exact specifications, but I just think it's bad for business. I I understand you want to bring eyeballs uh, to your product, but when you look at the selection show, and and let's remember how bad it was this year, uh, when you change up the selection show, when you move the title game, when you have it starting after 9 o'clock Eastern, that's just dooming it for failure. And, we're, and the numbers are bearing that out. The selection show needs to be 30 minutes on CBS. Period. Show me my bracket. You know, don't give me a list of all the automatic qualifiers. We, we know that. There's no reason to have a studio audience. There's there's none of that. What I'd like to see, and I'm sorry this became a critique of the broadcast of the NCAA tournament, we need to have folks. Look, I love Charles Barkley. Love him. I think Chuck is great. But give me some people that know college basketball to critique who should and shouldn't be in it. Give me someone that knows college hoops to talk about the games as they go. I don't need Charles Barkley, as great as he is, fumbling around with knowing who's good and who's not. I don't need Kenny Smith. His fallback position is he played at North Carolina, and everything is related to North Carolina in some way. And I'm not saying that. I mean, I wouldn't want Jamal Mashburn up there talking about, well, you know, Kentucky. We get it. You played there. It's a good program, but there's more to it than that. So I, I think there needs to be some long conversations with the NCAA and the, the Turner Broadcasting to streamline how they're doing the tournament. I think it's great that you can see all 63 games. That's fantastic. I, I think that's that's what we've been needing for 30 years. But there's ways they can fix it and make it even better. And in, in, I think less is sometimes more in that instance.
1: And Clark Kellogg, where are you at on him? You cool I mean we don't see him as much
3: as we used to, but you still you cool with him being on the panel? I, I I like Clark Kellogg. Once you know where he's coming from, uh uh I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, Seth Davis kinda grated on me a little bit, which is why I'm glad <laughs> that the UNBC Twitter account kinda drug him through the mud. Uh, I mean that was an egg on it on it on your face moment. You know, from the tip saying Sharpie, you know, that's your thing, I yeah. get it. But but they that the the guy running that uh Maryland Baltimore County account drugged him <laughs> the entire night. So <clears throat> and you know I'm on my soapbox a little bit, away from the broadcast, the tournament itself. I wrote about this on CameromillsRadio.com, we live in this culture with a lot of hot takes, and I've seen a lot of hot takes out there regarding the tournament. Uh, Villanova, as you point out, they join a pretty elite group of winning two titles in three years. Uh, are they a blue blood? No, they're not. I just no. They they've won th- three titles. I think they've got some history. Not a blue blood. I don't put them on the Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, UCLA level. Kansas, I just don't. Number two, hot takes as it relates to Coach Cal and the one and done. We touched on this last week, and I wrote an article about this. Look, whenever we see Kansas fall short, Duke fall short, Michigan State fall short of a title, Uh, We don't get these think pieces on their entire coaching philosophy. We don't get people talking about, is the way they do things, is it a failure? And if you hate John Calipari, if you don't like the one and done, I understand that approach. But when you say that what he has done at Kentucky is a failure, is a failure that... I have a problem with Final Fours are hard to get to. And when you just wipe the slate and say, okay, for Coach Cal, it's championship or bust, if he doesn't win a championship, then his, his way doesn't work. I'm not with that at all. Uh, you know, Duke fell short against Kansas in the Elite Eight. Is, is Coach Krishet, is he losing his touch? No, it's
0: ridiculous. <clears throat>
3: You know, it's been a stretch for uh, uh, Tom Izzo, Michigan State. Is he a dumb coach all of a sudden? Even though he's he's won the Big Ten, he's had this success? No. The, The NCAA tournament, it's a freakish deal. Villanova won the championship this year. This was, in my lifetime, maybe the fifth or sixth time the best team going into the tournament won the tournament. Uh, I'm thinking Villanova this year, uh, Kentucky in 2012, uh, Kentucky in 96. I know I'm missing some people. It's just rare that the number one team going in wins it all. So yeah. I, I just or – the, or the or the favorite, I should say, wins it. It's just the nature of the beat. So I just think it's – and there's a lot of local people that are, are feeding into that, you know, was this year a failure? And is Coach Cal, you know – now, I've seen people talk about a Final Four drought. A final, we've had three seasons of not making the Final Four. A Final Four drought? I talked to somebody about that. He's like, man, you know, that Final Four looks forever ago. 2015? Are you are you kidding me with that? And and, and think, I, I, look, we talked about this last week, and I'm sorry to rehash it. We have won eight NCAA titles. That's 10% of all of them. Right, That means yeah. 90% of the time mm-hmm. We fail to hit that mark yeah. You can't become championship or bust Because even the Yankees Which have yeah. more championships North American sports than anybody They go for stretches oh. Where they're not even competitive When you and I growing up in the 80s The Yankees weren't very good They had Don Mattingly And that was it You know, The, the Yankees went 20 yeah. plus years Between World Series Kentucky has done yeah. that and so this narrative of, well, Cal's got all the talent. All the talented guys don't go to Kentucky. Bill Self has had talent. I mean, you can look at the talent around college basketball. Talent, freaking things happen in the tournament. And Cal still has, still after this season, has, still has a very good, he's, I think he's still got, uh, uh, as far as tournament wins since he's been in Kentucky, he's still at the top. I just don't like how we keep moving the goalposts on what is and isn't successful at Kentucky. It, I, I just, I, I, I don't like that. So I've raved about the NCAA tournament enough, so I do apologize about that. <laughs> oh no, it's It's
1: fine. And, you know, of those eight national championships, half of them have come in our lifetime. Now, like, 78, I was just a few months old. But I count that one. But two – remember one that, you know, actually watch it, follow a season, start to finish, watch all six wins in the tournament, 96. So, you know, 17 years old, 18 years old, 18 when it first happened. So, you know, you go from infant to 18 years old for that drought, 96 to 98, you know, the three runs in a row, and then 98, like you're talking about championship rebirth 98 to 2012, you know, so you're 20 years old, and then they don't win another one, until I'm 34. Look, it's, half of them have happened in my lifetime. There's teams, look, Loyola went 55 years between Final Four appearances. Wisconsin, when they beat Kentucky and, and went on to play Duke in 2015, I think it had been – 70 some years since they had, you know, people go long stretches and don't see their team win one. People go lifetimes but don't see their team win
2: one.
1: I've been <laughs> old enough to remember three. I count that fourth one, but I've been old enough to remember three. So, amen. You talk about people getting upset about being three years removed from a Final Four and. People want to complain about how long ago 2012 was, and I said it time and time again. The rush to get number nine right after winning eight was just weird. There wasn't—I can't speak for everybody—but there wasn't a lot of savoring that is like, okay, got it. Keep on moving. Keep trying to catch UCLA or whatever. Look, you gotta, you gotta enjoy those. You, you mean. As a a coaching staff, I'm not saying just have a hangover and just, you know, don't keep trying to win. But as a fan base, look, enjoy that. That's why the Cubs didn't win last year to me. I expected a hangover. They hadn't won in 108 years. The team sputtered. They were struggling at the all-star break. I didn't have a problem with that. It's human. I mean, as as much as they wanted to go back-to-back, you hadn't won one in over a century I, I'm fine with Joe Mattingham not going back and winning another one, having a little bit of a lull, didn't really get in a groove until July. I get it. Same thing with Kentucky fans. Don't be so quick to, to want number nine that you don't even enjoy number eight. I mean, the banner barely got hung and already moved on. And I just, that's always just been a little bit odd to, to be that. Yeah. Uh, Tunnel beaches or whatever. Don't stop and
3: smell the roses, I guess. I I, I certainly understand that. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, No, I I mean, I agree with that. You know, we had barely seen the confetti fall in 2012, and, you know, it became, you know, we got to get by it. Uh, Yeah. Oregon. Oregon won the first NCAA title in 1939. And last year was the first time they had been back to the Final Four.
2: That's too uh, Yeah.
3: And I understand things are different uh, for Kentucky. I, I'm not an idiot. You know, I I, I get that, but it, it's not our birthright to get to the Final Four. It, it 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 really isn't. We have to be able to appreciate things. When we start doing title or bus again, I ask this question: Is Dan Issel a loser? Is Jamal Mashburn a loser? Mm -hmm. Is Sam Bowie, uh, 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 Kenny Walker, are they losers? Rex Chapman a loser? No. 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 What makes Kentucky basketball great, the championships, yes. But they're in it every single year. We need to appreciate that. Uh, People, again, talk about championship years being a failure. 2016 was 38-1. I mean, that is, I understand you fall short of the ultimate goal. I get that. But you can't just be like, 38-1. Are you kidding me? I mean, they 38 straight. I mean, are you kidding me with that? Like, you have to get to the Final Four to to win it. And we have to admit, and nobody wants to admit, that the tournament now, you have to play six straight games. Not just, you know, it takes six to win, because it's taken six to win since 85. You have to yeah. play six with teams. We're in a world now where a six team can be the one. Yeah. You and I have talked about, back in the 90s, if you were top three or four seed. Brother man, you had a that first game, whoo. You know, you could you could you could ease into the tournament. Now, you've got to play from the jump. And when you look back at previous teams that won, the Kentucky team that won before us and and these older teams, older uh, you know, teams, you know, would UCLA be able to win if they had to win six straight single elimination games? would they be able to put together nine or ten championships in a row? I just don't think you're able right. to do that. It's, we don't want to say that there's a little bit of luck and a little bit of just randomness to the tournament, but that's what happened.
0: So,
2: exactly.
3: I, I'm not going to say that Cal's run has been a, a failure. Four Final Fours in a nine-year stretch is not bad. Going three years without a Final Four appears isn't time to start firing people. Uh, it 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 just it just isn't. You know, this year I know that it uh losing to Kansas State. Look, I'm as disappointed as anybody. Kansas State was limited. You know, the bracket was wide open for us to get and, and I got ahead of myself a little bit thinking, man, whoo, this is gonna be the fifth final I mean I had it in my head, admittedly. But final fours are hard. You and I have talked about it before. There's going to be games where things are just janky and out of whack, and you've got to be able to pull those games out, and we weren't able to do that this year. So, you know, Absolutely. next year might be different, but I, I, I think you can be disappointed in the way the season ended without throwing the season <clears throat> on the scrap heap. I, I just think you can do that. Absolutely.
1: That's it. Um, and and Cameron Mills, you know, we write for his website. He said it Sunday on his show. You know, he was privileged to be on teams that won two national championships in three years. You know, and he said, and of course we know his dad played for Kentucky. His dad played with Dan Issel and uh, Mike Pratt and all those guys. He said that doesn't mean that. Those teams are, like you mentioned, the Rex Chapman teams, Kenny Walker teams, Sam Bowie, Melvin Turbo, That doesn't mean those teams are working any less harder than the 96 and 98 championship teams were. You've got to have some bounces go your way. Uh, the, the tournament is random. The tournament is hard. And you got to have some, some breaks that, that go along and go your way uh, in the process of winning six in a row to win national championship. We'll shift it to baseball here in a little bit. Uh, I think our guest is on the line. He is a writer for TomahawkTake.com. Just watched the Braves take their second consecutive series in this young season. They took two out of three from the Washington Nationals. And we have Fred Owens on the line with us. Fred, is that you on the line there? Make sure I got your number.
4: That's me here. Is that you there?
1: That is me here. Glad to have you there, joining us. How are you this evening?
4: I'm sorry. Say that again.
1: As said that is me here. We're glad that uh, to be talking with you there. How are you doing this evening?
4: Well, I'm doing pretty good after watching that game today. Uh, see, Mike it's like uh, it's like the guy I've been saying he's going to be for a year and a half. for me people keep beating me up now. <laughs>
1: So Folty was able to to take some of that abuse off of you for at least to his next start anyway,
4: right? Yeah, well, he's had two good starts in a row. And, uh, you know, the problem was never, was never the stuff. Uh, he's got a big arm. And, you know, he, the first season up he was throwing seven innings. He was throwing 95, 96. And he was still pretty accurate. His problem was, you know, he, he took everything personally. And if it didn't if he didn't get a call or everything, he let it get to him, and over the season, he's sort of straightened up his mechanics. He's a lot quieter, a lot smoother, and uh, well, he he got some bad calls today, and he went right back at him. so yeah, I, I think he's finally turned that corner it It's hard to harness that heat. you know people think it's easy, but throwing that hard is is, is harder uh, if anything, than throwing 91 92.
1: Talking with Fred Owens from TomahawkTech.com. We know Fred. Last year was a, a real down year, 72 and 90. We know about the turbulent off-season. So, what honestly were your expectations for the Braves coming in to this 2018
4: season? Well, you know, it's kind of hard to say. The uh, <clears throat> last year was bad, and then we had that uh, disgraceful mess with the. Uh, and we will not pay any longer. Uh, and uh, Anthopolis came into a bad came into a bad situation, uh, made worse by something I think that most people haven't haven't clicked onto yet. But uh, there's a there's a rule in baseball about how much debt you can have at the end of the year. They want you to be pretty cool. And for two years coming into this year, the Braves have broken that rule. So they they needed to get back under that and, and reduce their debt. Uh, below the level uh, that uh, MLB would accept. So that limited their ability to actually spend money. Uh, You don't find that out unless, you know, uh, Liberty's a publicly held company, and it was in their end-of-year report, and people don't normally see that, and none of the beat writers picked up on it. People bash Liberty a lot, but, but, uh, you know, this was the the debt that he incurred. Uh, Antopolis came in incurring, uh, held him back from doing things, this winter. I think he would like to have done. Um, I, I was hoping he would have done at least one big thing to get, say, say, "Hey fans, I recognize it." But he was he was hamstrung. So when the season started, I was sort of expecting seventy five, seventy eight wins. You know, that's ten percent improvement. If we can do better than that, we can, we will. But uh, that's sort of what I was looking at.
1: I'm I'm kind of with you. Um, I mean, honestly, I was like, you know, eighty one is the ceiling. I'd be ecstatic. You know, just because you had to overcome all that peripheral uh, distractions and and drama and and turmoil to be able to focus and get there. Uh, We start the season off with a team in the Phillies who were down there fighting it out in the bottom with last year. And then we have, of course, the favorites to win the East that they just concluded the series with, with the Nationals. 48 runs in those six games. I know it's a small sample size, you know, season just started, but your thoughts on the offense as far as, you know, surrounding Freddie with a, guy, a lot of guys who don't have power, your thoughts on what you've seen so far with these 48 runs over these six games?
4: Well, you know, I think uh, I sent a little note to a friend of mine who's a Houston Astros supporter. I said, thank you for Preston Tucker. Uh <laughs> they uh, DFAing Preston Tucker uh, and and getting him with Sightzer and Chipper uh, sort of looks looks to me like it fixed the the problem he had with his swing. He always sort of knew the zone, but his swing plane was a little long. And you know they they decided to let him go rather than John Singleton, who's down there hitting uh, hitting like you know a, a level pl- player. But thank goodness for that. Tucker's come in and he's been a surprise. Uh, Marte hit the ball well the first game. I I don't expect him to hit ten home runs this year. Uh, sorry, Marte fans. I know what he is and and you should too. He's a he's a good player, but he's not a not a four hole hitter. But I think that uh, you know we've we've been really good. Flaherty came in and and played third base uh, better than most people would have expected him to do. Uh, with Tucker and Flaherty playing as well as two people that are expected to replace them suddenly the lineup looks pretty good. Uh, the catching, you know, that's a problem. But uh, suddenly the lineup's looking pretty good. I mean, we, we're scoring a bunch of runs. If the pitchers can keep us in the game, the lineup's going to make this season fun.
1: Definitely,
4: definitely. Take us back just for a second and,
1: and tell us how your Braves fandom began, tell of how it started for you.
4: Well, uh, I did. I, I I was born in Illinois back when there's only eight teams in each league, so I'm really yes, I'm really that old. And uh, my dad was a Cubs fan, and uh, my mom was a Cubs fan, uh, so we listened to the Cubs all the time. But uh, and of course, every year they were going to win, they were going to win, and they never did. And I was there for the for the manager by committee rotation of ninety days, which boy, that was really hilarious. Anyway, so. Uh, I I joined the military in 1968, Yes, really old, and uh, I was overseas most of my career. I came back in 1991 and decided uh, to pick up on the baseball thing where it was at, and I could get two stations. I could get WGN, and I could get TBS. Um, and I watched the Cubs that year, and they looked exactly the way I remember them. In other words, the ownership knew they didn't have to put a whole lot of money into the team to get people to fill Wrigley, so they didn't. On the other side, uh, the Braves looked like they wanted to win. They played exciting baseball, and the more I watched the play, the more I remembered when Joe Adcock and Red Chaney and Johnny Logan and Eddie Matthews and Hank Aaron and and uh, Del Crandall were were beating the clubs to death in the in the 50s and 60s. And said, you know, I liked uh, watching Warren Spahn pitch and listening to uh, Lou Boudreau pitch, even though I didn't tell my dad. So. Um, it was easy for me to slide over and become a Braves fan. And, of course, that was the first year of the streak, and uh, I've been with them ever since. That's uh, pretty where well where I came from. The Braves wanted to win, and I never thought the Cubs did until, like, 2012.
1: So. Right. Talking with Fred Owens, TomahawkTake.com, did you allow a, a, a small fraction of yourself, to be happy when the Cubs finally, you know, won their first World Series
4: in 108 years. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, uh, the Cubs fans, uh, I, the Cubs poor, poor suffering Cubs fans. I'll give you that. The poor suffering Cubs fans, the really old timer Cubs fans. I really felt for that. I thought about my dad when that happened. I thought about my mom who had who passed away in '84, but she. She was really, really ill, and and not not going to make it very long. They told me. I came back, and that was the year the Cubs went to the postseason, and were heading going to San Diego. And she made it until the Cubs lost. So when the, when the Cubs when the Cubs finally took the World Series, I sort of said, Well, my dad's happy, my mom's happy, and everybody's everybody's good now. And uh, you know, I, and I felt great for the town of Chicago finally because they had a team they could be proud of up there, and a team that was well run and well well built and well managed. I mean, that's a since Theo came in there and took over, that as a class organization, and so you've got to respect that team and you've got to like it. I'm not, I'm not anti any team. I don't hate anybody or any team. Although, I love beating the Nationals and the Phillies, but at the same time, yeah. I realize how good of, how good players can be, and I like good baseball. And if a team plays good baseball and beats me, that's all right. I don't may not love it, but I, I'll respect it. So yes, I had a, I had a moment or two for them, and then I felt feel sorry for Terry Frank and Cleveland a bit too because they, they really should have won until that, that rainstorm hit. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I you know couldn't feel as sorry for Cleveland just just for the simple fact that, you know, the the Cubs drought was already forty years old when when Cleveland started there. So you Nick know, Cleveland's in there again and, and Atlanta's not our force of them but I had to defer yeah, to the more long-suffering drought in
4: that situation. Oh, true, true. I, You know, I, I agree. I know, uh, believe me, I grew up with the Cardinals beating on us every year in Illinois, and it was it was depressing at times. But, I, you know, I was happy for the clubs. I'm happy for the players. But I'm happy for the town of Chicago uh, to do that because, you know, sometimes the cities need that to pick them up. And they've, they've had enough uh, bad news up there. So I was happy for the Cubs. Absolutely.
1: Um, we started off the, the segment talking about Folty and how good he looked today and having a couple of good starts in a row. Uh, Brent Snickers said that he's not concerned with Julio Tehran. Uh, saw a couple of shaky, well, bad starts to start the season, opening day, and then his previous start, and second outing. How do you feel about what you've seen? And is it just another case of you know, pitching shaky at SunTrust and then doing better
4: on the road, or uh... you know, if I if I could pick you... Julio, I'd be making a lot more money than I am. Uh, but <laughs> I, Julio, uh, Braves fans came up. Uh, Julio Kim was was going to be their guy. I mean, they had uh, you know uh, all these kids come up. They had Minor and those guys, but Julio was the guy who stood out because he was consistent, and he turned in a couple of stretches there where he pitched like he was going to be an ace. But in truth, if you look at him, he's, his stuff is a low-two is a or, low two or a high-three starter. And so I, I think he needs to change the scenery. I, 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 I think that, you know, I'm, you know, I hate to say this, i don't I'm not asking for him to be traded. I certainly think he can turn it around. I'm not sure Chuck Hernandez can get him to turn it around, and that's my issue. I've had that issue with the the pitchers over the last year. Uh, I'm not sure Chuck Hernandez is the pitching coach to fix those guys. That's particularly people like Julio been around for a while. I'm sure he's great with the kids down in the minor leagues, but when it came to the major league stuff over the years, over the last over the last season, and, and so I just didn't think he had the answer. Uh, he he didn't seem to be able to get pitchers back on track when they fell off, and then the pitcher would leave and do something somewhere else, and all of a sudden he was a lot better better pitcher. And, you know, I I think the voice is wrong for Julio. Uh, I don't know whether, you know, uh, that's a move to another team or a change for pitching coach. Um, Julio's going to go out and he's going to give it everything he's got. Uh, I'm not sure that, you know, changing catchers on him is a good idea either. I think that he pitches better when he knows who's going to be behind the plate um, he pitched really He pitched really better to Flowers than anybody recently. And uh, Stewart did him no favors uh, catching him today. So uh, a lot, some of this is Julio's fault. Uh, some of it is, uh, is the catcher familiarity. And people say, well, he's a catcher. He should be able to throw to any catcher. Well, it doesn't work that way. Greg Medix had a personal catcher. Pitchers have guys, they like the way the setup is there. They like the way he gives the signal. They'll feel comfortable to him back there. And Julio didn't know Stewart five minutes before he went out and threw it to him. So, um, and he didn't really pitch well real to uh, Suzuki last year at all either. He'll be happy to see Flowers come back. Uh, maybe Perez is good for him. Uh, but uh, you know, I think I think there's a mixture of things there: uh, confidence, a catcher, and and maybe a, a change of a, a, a pitching coach would help him out.
1: Talking with Fred Owens, TomahawkTake.com. Last week you read on the site. Uh, about something all of Brace Country is definitely hoping for, and that's the the Dansby Swanson reboot. Uh, don't have a lot to go on this far, but you see him bouncing back from that sophomore slump. Or you know, is it, is it a focus thing? Was a mechanic thing? What was your what was your take yeah. on that as well?
4: I I wrote the, I wrote about this a couple of times last year. Uh, you know. The Braves. One of the worst decisions our GM, who shall not be named, made was rushing Swanson (laughs) to the major leagues to give the fans something to cheer about. Uh, Swanson had, I mean, almost no minor league experience. And while they played in college, I'm sorry, it's not the same thing. The major league game from Double A to to major league ball is 30-35 percent faster than, than Double A ball. It gets around you all in a hurry. And he gets up. When he first come up, he did pretty well because they were giving him a steady diet of fastball. So that's what happens. You get a kid up there and say, let's see if he can hit a major league fastball. And Densby hit a major league fastball, but he also had nearly a 385 uh, BABIP, which meant he was hitting in some luck. Last year it went the other way. His BABIP last year was, was way, way down and, if he had had any kind of luck at all, he would have been hitting he would have been hitting uh, 240 or 250 or something. But he he was hitting right at people, and uh, he's the the slider thing. People made a lot out of that slider thing in the first part of the year, but again, uh, he he's changed that. He's getting the bat to the ball. Um, I think this is a position where you have to understand what he did. He took him out of the double A ball and threw him into the fire at the major leagues and said, yeah, here you go. And then when he slumped, he was out there, and I don't think he was getting the support he needed from around him to say, hey, pick it up, kid, you'll be fine. I, I think that that was a problem, uh, you know, and I just think that uh, I think they'll be fine. You know, if he's not going to be Andrelton Simmons, he's not going to be Lindor, he's not going to be Correa, yeah. but he will make the plays. He will make the, he'll make every play he should make, and he'll make a lot of them he shouldn't make, and he's going to hit you two forty, I mean two fifty, two sixty, um, and uh, he's going to be a fine player. Uh, maybe not a superstar, but every every player doesn't have to be a superstar. And I think comparing him to a player you don't have or what you might wish he could be, is the wrong is the wrong thing to do. Swanson's going to be fine. I think he's going to be all right, and I think he's going to have a long successful career.
0: Yeah, you know, and
1: and everybody would definitely take that. Uh, speaking of superstar, the next one coming down the pipeline, Ronald Acuna. Do you you see him being as good as advertised when he does uh, get moved on up to the major league level?
4: Well, it's hard to argue with it. I mean, the kid's got mad skills. He can he can hit anything from anybody at any time. He's fast. Uh, he's strong. He's he's agile. He doesn't take himself too seriously. i you know, I think he'll be fine. I think he can be the superstar. I think people need to let him be Ronald Lacuna before he they try to make him the next uh, Mike Trout. This kid's got all the skills. He's fast. He's got a good arm. He can play play any position in the outfield. He's going to hit for power. He's going to hit for average. Um, he's also going to have his slumps. Because that's what happens. They're gonna come up and they're gonna feed him. They're at diet of the fastballs. And he's gonna nail a bunch of them, and then they're gonna start giving him pitches that do things he never saw in the minor leagues, and he's gonna miss a bunch of them. How quickly he adjusts will tell us a lot about the young man. But I expect him to be a good player uh, for a long, long time. Uh, I, you know, how far he'll go, we can never say that. But what I've seen so far, what I've watched him uh, play the field. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. You know, I uh, I'm looking forward to watching him play a lot of games uh, for the Braves.
1: In your opinion, is, is the buzz hovering around him? Is it the same as what was buzzing around Jason Hayward and Freddie Freeman? Is it more when you kind of compare the two as the, or the three as they were coming up? Similar,
0: more. Well, I think. Less?
4: I think that uh, you know, Hayward sort of kept took all the light off of Freddie. Freddie just Freddie came up and just played ball because that's what Freddie does. nothing bothers him too much. He gets out there and he does his job and he doesn't get try to do too much. Uh he doesn't try he doesn't try to do things he can't do. Uh he's got a nice quiet swing and he gets on to it. Um Jason came up and he hit that homer run off of Zambrano and Oh, my God, he was going to be the next Roberto Clemente. And yeah. he was never going to do that. I mean, he's a great defender. Um, but if you ask the Cubs right now, would they give him that money again, the answer is no, they would not. Uh, I, I think that the, the, the buzz around him was so much because we were looking for somebody at the time to step in and, hey, let's be that guy. Uh, and everybody, wanted, they were all saying this is going to be Hayward's team. I said, no, this is going to be Freeman's team because he's the one who's going to be here. He's the one who's going to step in and, and put on that mantle. So I think that uh, what what you're seeing from Akuna is more than I've seen from any of those guys. I haven't seen this kind of buzz around anybody uh, coming up. Uh, you know, in long, 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 long time. I can't even remember. Uh, The buzz around Hayward was not the same Maybe because the media was not the same But uh, I think uh, Acuna's skills are far Beyond anything Jason Jason Hayward Wishes he was Ronald Acuna by now (laughs) There you go There you go
1: And Fred I can't have you on without Asking this last question um, Because you've been a Braves fan For a long time I'll go back to Dale Murphy When I was seven You know CBS drew me in just like it did you, but what are your thoughts of blooper, this new quote unquote mascot that we have for the Atlanta Braves? Boy,
4: um, you know, he, he sort of looks like a, a mutant love child of the villain fanatic and Winnie the Pooh. I think I, there's no, there's no. I, 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 I think. I don't think he was a blooper. I think it was an infield fly. He, I it's, I just don't I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Uh, I haven't found anything adorable about him. He has no mouth. He has what's his personality supposed to be? Uh, I I understand they wanted to change. They couldn't find anybody all last year to to play Homer. And I I, I again I, I understand the need for change, the more kid friendly thing maybe, but. Uh, boy, I, I have just depra- I don't know what to think of that. I just really can't say anything. My mom used to say, if "You can't say and I shut up." So I won't talk about blue anymore, or about news, or about the, or about the Gwinnett strippers. I mean strippers. Uh, I just, well, I, I think that's an awful name too. I, I just, I don't know what they're doing sometimes. These public relations folks have a good idea, and uh, they shove it out there, and everybody goes, huh? And that's sort of what I did. Every time I read the Gwinnett team name, I read it incorrectly. And every time I see Blooper, I think somebody's drunk in the stands. So I'm not sure what's going on.
0: I
1: mean, you're preaching to the choir, and that's why I had to ask you that. And from a marketing department that can bring you something as, as clever and fun to watch as the freeze in between innings, and then you follow that up with Blooper, um, uh, and like, infield fly is is more appropriate. I'm um, I'm just at a loss for words, just like you. And it's embarrassing. The Philly fanatic. I mean, exactly. The most one of the most hated teams in the division. You just go and kind of rip off, poorly rip yeah. off their mascot. So yeah. Oh goodness.
4: Yeah, I'm not sure. You I, mean, I I I've been to a lot of ballparks, uh, and some of them, some of the mascots. Are out there, and I go okay. Yeah, maybe the little kids like them and stuff. The fanatic is great because everybody likes the fanatic, and I don't think there's another. There's no one like the fanatic in in baseball. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. But I watched the dinosaur in Colorado, and uh, you know, Mr. Met. But I, there's really nothing like uh, nothing like the fanatic in in, in terms of uh, in terms of baseball, and it you know, the thing is. You've got a you've got a Oscar-winning star in Philadelphia playing the playing the uh, the uh, mascot. Uh, why do you want to even look anything like that? Everything's going to be compared to him, and you're going to lose. You know, so just do go something else. Do something different. You know, I don't know what, but do something different than that because you're not going to compete with the best there is. Exactly,
1: I couldn't agree more, and couldn't be more appreciative of you taking the time I even to hop on the show and talk a little Braves baseball with us, Fred. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. And uh, looking forward to the rest of the season and see what happens when they head out to Colorado for this next year.
4: I'm happy to come on with you anytime. I enjoyed the talk. And, uh, you know, give me a holler anytime. I'll, I'm probably around here uh, being lazy. So just give me a call and let me know, and I'll be happy to come back and talk to you Enjoy yourself. Thanks a lot.
1: Hey, thank you, Fred. Have a good evening, sir. I really appreciate it. That was Fred Owens, TomahawkTape.com, hopping on to drop some brave knowledge. Uh, four and two to start the young season, I will take it. Um, and I'll also just take them being better than your Baltimore Orioles at the end of the season, TB. Uh, you know, not to be petty or nothing. That sounds like fake news.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, man. Well, we definitely enjoyed that. And I think before we start the second hour, we should work in one of those miscellaneous brackets that you discovered uh, with mm-hmm. it being March Madness. You sent the Soul Food Sweet 16. Uh, you also did a Music Sweet 16. I got the soul food pulled up now with the side dishes, desserts, the main dishes, and the brunch. And when you broke that all down, what was your winner or your final four or however you you want to do it? This is just fun stuff and
3: good. I I don't know if I put that bracket on the the show thread, and I can certainly do that. the one little fine print I had For the soul food Anybody that needs uh, that, that, that understands Where I'm coming from Let's just assume you don't have to ask Who made it Because I know okay. That's okay. always the big thing Is who made this So for the purpose Of this discussion it's the best Recipe for these Items and so uh, in the desserts, you know you got sweet potato pie, banana pudding, pecan pie, and peach cobbler. Out of that, I gotta have some sweet potato pie. Uh, that's just that's a mama Bee staple. I'm used to it, so that's coming out of there. Your side dishes: potato salad, collard greens, candied yams, baked mac and cheese. My dad made the best mac and cheese ever, but I don't eat cheese, so that's out. So, out of the side dishes, I'm, color, I'm coming with the collard greens with some ham hock in it with a little bit of kick. That's what's coming out of there. Your main dishes, is, this is where it gets a little tricky. You got your barbecue chicken, uh, your smothered turkey wings, smoked ribs, and some fried fish. For me, the fried fish, smoked ribs, that's a. Mm. Mm. That that's a that's a that's a, <laughs> a prime time matchup right there. But I'm gonna go with fried Is that an eight nine? Is that an eight nine yeah that's, a, that's, the that's, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm gonna go with fried fish over the rib because really fried fish I, I think you have a, a, a little bit bigger margin for air. I I know I said these are the best of those items, but I really like some fried fish. And if I get some fried catfish, that's a wrap. Now brunch, I wasn't too familiar with with this brunch category, but you got salmon croquettes, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, chicken and waffles. I'm from the south. Biscuits and gravy every day, all day. Breakfast, lunch, even into dinner. Mama B loves to do breakfast for dinner. Breakfast for dinner, gotta have some biscuits and gravy. So my final four. Of sweet potato pie, collard greens, uh, biscuits and gravy, and my fried fish. Those four show up. I'm gonna have to go with the fried fish because I can eat my weight in fried fish. <laughs>
1: so, fried fish is your winner, right? That's your champion.
3: Fried fish would be my champion.
1: And who do they beat to win it all?
3: Uh, coming, see uh, I would have fried fish over uh, uh, the biscuits and gravy, but then I would have wow, my okay. collard greens over the sweet potato pie. So uh, my championship game would, would be the fish and the greens, and I would go with the I would go with the fish.
1: Fried fish over collard greens, and real quick before I do mine, you don't eat cheese. Like, did you just <laughs> get, have a bad experience or <laughs> I gotta just find out what what happened with that. Because you said the background in cheese was delicious, but you don't eat cheese. And I was like and the record player just kinda skidded on me, like
3: <clears throat> <laughs> everybody raised about my dad's back big back and cheese. I I don't eat cheese, I only eat cheese on pizza. I, I don't eat cheese. Ooh. Uh, mac and cheese. Don't put it on salad. Don't put it on a taco or anything like that. I just, I do not eat uh, cheese. It's just, for me, it's just a taste thing. Um, I know, pretty weird. I, I have some some weird eating habits. I don't like my food to touch. I eat all of one thing oh. <laughs> all at once and then move on to the next. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very peculiar when it comes to that, but uh yeah, I do not eat cheese except on uh, except on pizza.
1: If, uh,
3: if my sister
1: is listening, or sh- now, or she catches it on the podcast, she'll be like, "Preach on that food not touching." She's exactly the same way. All the food on her plate is in its own separate, distinct community, <laughs> so she's she's right there with you. There's no mingling of the items on her plate or anything like that. So she, you're not alone with that. She'd be like, see, Terry knows what you're talking about. His food don't touch. So
0: <laughs>
1: my young, my little sister is right there with you. As far as the soul food brackets, um, as far as the, the side dishes, I'm <laughs> – I'm weird because I'm not a huge fan of sweet potatoes. I know that's going to sound weird. So, candied yams had no chance against baked mac and cheese. Potato salad is okay, but, you know, you get some good collard greens, like you mentioned, with the ham hock on them. Uh, If your aunt or grandma made it, forget about it. Uh, So, baked mac and cheese and collard greens move on uh, in the, the side dish bracket. Up top in the dessert round, sweet potato pie is out because I'm I'm not I'm not big on sweet potatoes. Banana pudding is great, so it, it's, it's gonna breeze by sweet potato pie. Peach cobbler is it can do no wrong. Pecan pie is good, but peach cobbler moves on to face banana pudding. Um, and then I would have peach cobbler beating banana pudding, even though my granny Hardy makes absolutely it's insane, her banana pudding. But I'm put peach cobbler in the final four and baked mac and cheese in the final four. My aunt's baked mac and cheese is, is ridiculous. It's like deep dish thick. Every time we go home, she'll have a little extra pan just for me. And my youngest son loves it as well. So she'll, she'll slide a little bit in for me and Chandler to take home with us every time we go to visit the baked mac and cheese. Is in the final four. Out of side dishes, peach cobbler out of dessert.
2: <clears throat> Brunch, uh,
1: you know, salmon and croquettes and, and shrimp and grits. You know, they're both all right. I would go probably shrimp and grits. I'm not a huge fan of biscuits and gravy like you are, so I would I would go ch- uh, chicken and waffles. I final four. Our brackets are completely different. Um, in the main dishes. I'm going to take fried fish over smoked ribs uh, and barbecue chicken over some of the turkey wings. And I'm going to have out of brunch chicken and waffles going to the final four. And our main dish region is exactly like I'm going to have fried fish in a final four against chicken and waffles. Have Chicken and waffles going to the championship game against peach cobbler. And, my sweet tooth is is gonna win out. I mean, you, know, you got syrup and stuff on the waffles, but peach cobbler is gonna be my champion in the Soul Food Sweet Sixteen.
2: So
3: that was super. Well, that's that. That's good. You know, there's been so many of these uh, these different brackets to come out. Uh, I sat down, I guess last week with the disney one with uh with little miss and let me ask who who did you have with your favorite disney movie do you remember was it moana me she went with meet the robinsons and then my other was coco mm. uh me she had meet the robinsons over coco which which was a little bit off cuz meet the robinsons <laughs> is an underrated kind of movie and coco being being brand new but that was her that was her thing so i let her roll with that. So I had to get her uh, impact. I was surprised that Frozen didn't didn't uh, blow the field away because Frozen, we went through a Frozen phase with Big Miss and Little Miss. For those that haven't seen Frozen, the story of two sisters that saved the day.
2: Um, Lauren was what?
3: and Sarah was I think Okay. For one Halloween, Lauren was on and, and Sarah was Elsa. So big miss was Elsa. Little miss was uh, was uh, Anna. So <laughs> she's filling me in right now. But I had to let her do the uh, do the Disney when uh, on that. Uh, but I will put the if I haven't, I'll put the soul food uh, bracket uh, out on the. Uh, I think I did it on Facebook, but I'll do it on Twitter uh, as well.
1: Absolutely, and I hadn't. Seen those movies that you mentioned and having two boys, we didn't watch the Frozen movies. They weren't you know, weren't running that. So um, I'm going to take little Mrs. Word for it on her interpretations and her opinions
0: of the <laughs> Disney bracket, for sure. <laughs> yeah, She's she, she got, she got her opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. So
1: that was, that was fun. Stay with us, we'll definitely do the soul music bracket in the second hour. Uh, That'll be fun as well. You and I were throwing around a couple little tweets about it earlier in the week, so it'll be fun to go through that uh, before the show's over with. Uh, Definitely feel free to give us a call 845 277 9373. About 12 minutes or so, Mike Pesetti is going to call in. Uh, He writes for RaptorsRapture.com. So we'll talk some Raptors TV, you know, get a little NBA in there. Uh, He is in Toronto, so he's up close and personal with the team. And, you know, they don't get a lot of exposure on TV, but can they finally get past the kryptonite that is
3: kryptonite? Well, I was trying to (laughs) sound
1: like Jerry Jones. The kryptonite that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because as of now, they're the number one seed in the East. We'll get all that perspective and knowledge from Mike City. It's going to be fun talking with him as well. And uh, I did do my Jerry Jones. He was on Dallas Radio talking about kryptonite uh, instead of kryptonite. And I kind of pulled my own little version of Jerry Jones. So apologize for that. But uh, take us a quick little break. Catch, us, uh, catch our breath. We had a fun first hour. Talk Final Four. Got to get some uh, women's Final Four perspectives too, because you wrote a great piece about that. Uh, talked about Villanova winning. Uh, Kentucky fans, championship of bust, being a little excessive and a little over the top. Talked some Braves baseball with Fred Owens, and we just didn't solve the bracket. So, fun first hour. Stay tuned for the second hour. Catch Talk Wednesday, Vinnie Hardy, K Brown, Brandon Hardy Radio Network. BlockTopRadio.com. Don't go anywhere. Black, 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 black. <laughs>
0: I can't take away my A two-week night. Start a
1: Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry TV Brown, rolling through another episode of Cat Talk Wednesday, eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three at Cat Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. Just had Fred Owens on talking some Braves baseball. Got Mike Vasetti coming up about seven minutes to talk Toronto Raptors. That's going to be uh, a lot of fun as well. Um, the women's final four was extremely exciting. Uh, buzzer beaters everywhere. Your boy Kobe Bryant in the stands. Mambo mentality from Notre Dame. Yukon gets hit with a cold-blooded dagger again. You wrote about all of it on caramelsradio.com TV, so let us dive into that until Mike calls in.
3: Well, you know, uh, I'm late to the I'm late to the party when it comes to women's sports, specifically women's basketball. I used to be one of these guys that that didn't really think it was real basketball. And so with Big Miss and Little Miss, I'm paying a little bit more attention uh, to women's uh, sports. And, you know, I've I've taken them. We've gone to all kinds of U.K. events and everything like that. So uh, all that being said, we watched the Final Four, uh, me and the girls. And uh, it was exciting. I don't know when we've had as exciting of a men's final four, uh, buzzer beaters, two overtime games in the semifinal. Uh, Notre Dame uh, is just everything you could want in a final four was right there. Uh, and this, they were all number one seeds that made the women's final four, but they each came into the final four with a with a story. Uh, UofL, Coach Jeff Walls, we all know all the negative that's going on with the University of Louisville. We've talked about it. People have written about it. But the one bright spot this year has been the women's team. And Asia Durr and, and, and uh, Maisha Heinz uh, allen uh, they won the ACC regular season title. They won the ACC tournament title. They were I believe 33-3 and three on the season. Uh, one of the best years for a basketball team from Kentucky, men's or women's. Uh, you can put that right up there. They were number one seed. They, they went uh, to Columbus in the Final Four, ready to kind of give their fans something to really be proud about. Uh, they faced off against Mississippi State. Mississippi State, runners-up from a year ago, Ended in the 2017 Final Four, ended the 111-game win streak of UConn in the Final Four. They end up falling to SEC foe South Carolina in the title game, so they came back looking for a redemption story, right? So on the other side, you've got UConn being UConn, undefeated, <laughs> which you know you pretty much <laughs> have to put that anytime you talk about UConn, uh, undefeated this year, 11th. Straight Final Four, and we can talk about uh, you know the, the depth of the women's game. You can you can you know what eleven straight Final Fours again? That that that's just it's ridiculous. So UConn's UConn, Notre Dame comes in, and like everybody else, UConn has kind of been their kryptonite. Uh, Notre Dame comes mm-hmm. in to the tournament, kind of you know as the afterthought probably, if you looked on paper, the weaker of the four teams, the weakest of the four teams of all teams. So uh, in the first semifinal, Louisville, Mississippi State, go toe-to-toe. And, oh, I don't have the – I'm going to whiff on the names here. uh, But the the, the tall girl, (laughs) McIlwain, I believe, McCabe, I have to look it up. I'm sorry. I'm. Uh, McCown, Sierra McCowan. Sierra McCowan, the 6th, yeah. he had 21 points and 25 rebounds and set a record <laughs> yeah. for rebounds in the women's. I mean, that was the difference. Louisville's pressure defense forced Mississippi State to hit a lot of shots, but the Mississippi State also had uh, right at 20 offensive rebounds. And McCowan had 13 of those. And that's how they won. Uh, Louisville, they had their shot. I thought there could have been a foul at the buzzer in regulation. Uh, But once it got into overtime, that's when Mississippi State separated. Uh, Notre Dame went toe-to-toe with uh, UConn in the other semifinal. I thought Notre Dame, you know, they were up five or six with under a minute left in regulation. And I'm thinking, well, they got this one. I turn around for a second, and, and it's going to overtime, you know, UConn, doing UConn-like things. The one thing I, I love, if you if you really love basketball, watch women's UConn team. I, I don't know if it's just Geno and how he does or the, the, the girls that he brings into the program. Even when most uh, coaches, most players would be, uh, kind of rattled. UConn is just, every player is called. You know, they show their uh, their huddles, you know, the second half of the national semifinal, facing some adversity they haven't faced all year. You know, it's one of those things we talk about when you look at 2015, the Kentucky team, you know, not losing, you know, you're in a different situation You know, where you have to try to battle back, but those young women, and, and Coach Elriema, uh, you know, to even get that game into overtime, I thought was a stretch. But Notre Dame, they were on a mission. And, and it, it just, like I put in my piece, you know, we thought that Aaron Harrison hitting those th- three shots in successive rounds of the tournament were big. But imagine hitting those back-to-back in the Final Four. Like, if he had had one more you know, against UConn in 2014, I mean, it was just a ridiculous finish. And if you're the NCAA, if you're women's basketball, this is what you, this is what you want to see. Uh, it, it's great basketball, but it's a different game. You have to go in. It's not as high-flying, and I get that. So it's a different game, but it's just as entertaining. And I thought through the women's Final Four, uh, there was a lot more drama, a lot more excitement uh then we saw on the mid side when, you know, as you said earlier, Villanova kinda of went wire to wire and it really wasn't uh really wasn't in doubt, you know, past the halfway point of the second half or first half.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
3: We will shift gears
1: now back to the NBA, which of course you and I definitely love that. Um uh, we have with us a writer from the site RaptorsRaptor.com Which you still cannot I cannot say that fast so I will mess it up He is a co-expert Not a co-founder or co-host But a co-expert on RaptorsRaptor.com We are talking with Mike DeFetti who <laughs> joins us from Toronto Welcome to the show Mike How are you evening?
5: I'm good, how are you guys?
1: Man, can't complain Can't complain Your Raptors are 55 and 22 two-game lead on the Celtics, who they happen to play tonight. Are they going in wanting that number one spot, or does it matter going down the stretch? What is the mindset for Toronto as we close out the season?
5: Yeah, um, I think the number one seed is something that is pretty important to the Raptors, perhaps more important to them than some of their other Eastern Conference opponents. They seem more inclined to go after that number one seed, and I would be very surprised if they didn't kind of go all hands on deck here with a pivotal game against Celtics. That would, if they get a victory, pretty much seal the deal the rest of the way out.
1: Absolutely. I um, saw a couple of articles on the site about, you know, kind of the mindset and, and Cleveland and LeBron being kryptonite um, played at Cleveland on the 21st, and then at Cleveland again on the 3rd. Uh, came up short both times. Are those devastating blows to Toronto, or is it, did they shake them off? And, and you know, because given the history of the two teams, how are they approaching that? Is that something that will weigh on them mentally should they meet again in the postseason, or?
5: I th- I think the first loss was not as hurtful as the second one. I think the first loss was on the second night of a back-to-back, um, a road back-to-back at that, and the Raptors kind of, you could see the fatigue in them, and as a result, the Cavaliers got a lot of great looks. LeBron had a superhuman effort. I mean, not that that isn't common from him, but 17 assists and zero turnovers, even for him, is remarkable. So I don't think they were too worried about that. Um, The most recent loss is certainly more concerning. I think it really, really kind of hurt them, the poor play out of Kyle Lowry. Um, But I, I don't think it's totally devastating, but I would say the second loss is more concerning than that first one. And if you see them drop perhaps the first game or even the first two against the Cavaliers, it then I think it starts to get in their head. But I don't think it's quite in their head yet.
1: Okay. Um, TV man, I know you got NBA questions. Jump in anytime time with,
0: with
1: anything you want to come with as well.
3: Absolutely. Just, you know, headed into the playoffs, I think that big question is, will the Raptors be able to get over that Cleveland hump and, and you're saying that they feel pretty good about it, despite you know the history. <clears throat> Excuse me. Despite these last couple of games, they still feel pretty good about where they are, as long as they get that home court advantage.
5: Yeah. So they the Raptors did win a game earlier this season by um, thirty plus points. So while they're one and two in the series, they the two losses have been very close. While the two while the Raptors win was blowout and certainly this is a different Cavaliers t- sense of trade but this also isn't the same Cavaliers team that they have faced the previous two seasons the Raptors are better than they have been and any year the Cavaliers are worse um, it certainly is a mental hurdle I think facing a team like that that's beaten you so consistently but I think that the Raptors believe that both teams are different enough that you're not just running it back with the same crew that you have the past couple of years
1: Talking with Mike Basetti, RaptorsRapture.com. A win, like you said, over Boston tonight could all but lock up the number one seed. If it still continues to fluctuate, let's say it's still going down to, you know, the next to last game of the season or the last game of the season, they could face any combination of the Heat, Wizards, or Bucks who are fighting it out for the the final seven and eight spots, all with 42 and 36 records. Matchup-wise or preference-wise, who do you think they would want to to hook up with in that first round? No doubt they're expecting to go further than that, but is there a preference of who they would rather face in the opening round?
5: You kind of hit on it a little. I think that hopefully it's the one seed you're not too concerned with who you're (laughs) – Uh, eight seed opponent is you should be able to handle both of those but being said I do think that the biggest the biggest preference would probably be to play the Miami Heat um no offense to the Heat but they don't have the kind of individual players that the Wizards have and Bradley Beal and John Wall and certainly don't have a player of Giannis's level um and I think that that all things being equal, they would rather face the Heat and kind of take their chances against a team that is perhaps a little bit better coached than those other two teams, but doesn't have quite the top-level talent.
1: Mm. Interesting. So uh, Spolster on the Wizards would be what you definitely wouldn't want if if that was (laughs) a possible scenario.
5: Yeah, if, if Spo and Scott Brooks switch places, then they'd really be in trouble. But they probably want to be in eight seats. So
3: it's true,
1: very true. Um, of course, with us being you know Kentucky guys and, and University of Kentucky is kind of the focus of our show. It centers around that, and then we branch out and talk about everything else. We always keep an eye on what the Raptors are doing. You know, Dwayne Casey went the Kentucky's from Kentucky. Played on the 1978 championship team when we were mm-hmm. infants. Uh, Patrick Patterson was there for a little bit. Uh, just what is the the fan base's view of, of Casey in Toronto? How is he perceived there? And what's the fan base's viewpoint coming into this season looking towards the playoffs? Are they holding their breath, kind of we'll believe it when we see it or wait and see, cautious optimism? What's what's the vibe in Toronto right now, Mike?
5: I think the fan base is surprisingly optimistic, perhaps even overly optimistic. Um, Coach Casey is someone that you heard earlier um before the season, Masai Ujiri talked about culture change and changes, and you thought perhaps the team was going to blow it up and perhaps Coach Casey could be gone, but he's come back and he's a legitimate Coach of the Year candidate right now. And I think Coach Casey is someone who the Raptors fan base has perhaps grown into liking even more than they did at first, but I think at the same time all this goodwill that he's built up could be lost very quickly. Um, with another loss, it's easy to love a guy right now. But if there's another five game series, it's we'll see how faithful everyone is.
1: Right, like uh, just to flip it to the Yankees, who were just in Toronto and Stanton homers twice, you know, in the Sky Dome, and, and the Yankee fans are going crazy. In the home opener, he strikes out five times and goes over five and gets booed by the Yankee fans. So you, it's kind of. It can change in an instant, right?
5: Yeah, yeah, I think loyalty on a fan base is gained in drops and lost in buckets, so they'll they'll love you for as good as as long as you're productive.
1: Absolutely. Talk with Mike Vasetti, uh dot com, getting that Toronto Raptors knowledge as we head into the NBA playoffs postseason right around the corner. Um our article on the site about former Wichita State Shocker Fran Van Vliet being in the running for six Man of the Year. Uh, do you like his chances for that? Does Toronto not being on TV as much down here kind of hurt him, or do you think he's going to lock that award up in spite of that? I,
5: I think he'll get some second and third place votes. The problem for that is just Lou Williams is on another level of pretty much all the six man. So it, it feels similar to, I think DeRozan would have a chance for most improved if it wasn't for Victor Oladipo. I think those two awards just this season have had happened to have such runaway winners that for vet Fred Van Vliet to win it, it would have to be more of a down year. And with the season, Lou Williams having, I it's just one of the best six man, um, Seasons I can remember in a long time.
1: Yeah, and he, I mean, it doesn't matter where you put him. He just gets buckets, Lou does. You know, yeah. Kind of like that uh, Jamal Crawford, it doesn't matter.
5: <laughs>
1: they're going to come in on fire and, and score
0: their point.
5: Jamal Crawford? Yeah, former Raptor Lou Williams. So. They're, getting,
1: <laughs> they're getting buckets. Definitely. Definitely. Um, now, of course, Being in Toronto, hockey town, Maple Leafs, who are doing good again this year, uh, you being all in on the Raptors and covering the team closely, do you peek at what uh, the Maple Leafs are doing or the Argos when their season is going on as well? Are you just a strictly basketball guy, or uh, how do you balance all of that?
5: Um, I'm a casual hockey fan. I I would say – I like to keep an eye on what's going on with the team and I'll watch the game here to there, but I just, without playing the game, I don't have quite the understanding that I do of basketball and everything. So I, I keep a casual eye and it's hard not to, um, around a Canadian fan base that obviously loves the sport so much, but it's definitely not the, um, my focus and certainly not when you have Raptors basketball on. Right.
1: Right. Um, and just because I've never been to Toronto, I have to ask you, if I was downtown now, uh just you know, got to the airport and hit town, what are the couple places that somebody that's never been to Toronto where do you have to eat and what are some I mean, what are some things you have to see?
5: Um places you have to eat, um Man, there's a lot of good places to eat around here. Um, I would say, uh, are right, what kind of cuisine are you looking for? Anything?
1: Yeah, I'll just be open to whatever.
5: Um, bon Me Boys is a Asian spot. It's awesome. I oh, I can't recommend it enough. Um, <laughs> I. You have to try it. Um, it's the first place I'd recommend to anybody who's coming in out of town, um, and I think it's the first place you have to stop if you're in Toronto. Sounds
3: good. Sounds good.
1: I see on your Twitter, and everybody listening, follow Mike at Mike Bowl Sports. You say that someday you hope to be as confident in something as Dion Waiters is at basketball.
0: So, <laughs> That's right. what,
1: what 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 are you looking to to have you found that thing that you're ultimately confident in? Dion confident in yet? Are you still looking, or where are we at uh, with
5: that? To be honest, I don't think my personality has it in me to ever be as confident in anything <laughs> as Dion Waiters is at shooting a basketball. So, <laughs> it's my goal to become that confident, but. I don't know, man. That just—I don't know if that's in the cards for me. Yeah,
1: that's <laughs> confidence overload. That was—I could—I said I got to ask him about that. We followed each other on Twitter <laughs> earlier. I was cracking up, man. <laughs> but to having said that, you know, you say Toronto Raptors co-expert for RaptorsRapture dot com. That's that's kind of confident. I mean, that's that's. That's coming across a little confident. You say I'm one of the experts on Raptors Rapture. So you're you kind of on your way, maybe?
5: Yeah, baby steps. I think I'm progressing <laughs> through a, a nice development to become the on-waiters.
1: All right. There you go. So, you know, we see you out there on the court in Toronto. you shooting jumpers, and you just turn around and run down the court with your hand raised up. Yeah. Follow through still going. That's, yeah, yeah.
5: Like Nick Young, though, talking- probably more likely than Curry, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. TB, I got along with it, man. Did you have a couple of questions you wanted to ask our man, Mike, the while we got him on the line?
3: Well, I'm a, uh, long time fan, Montreal Expos fan. So I have love for uh, Canada. I've been there several times. And is my question is in Toronto, I know that it's hockey and then everything else in Canada. But it seems to me like the Raptors, you know, we look, we've we seen the Grizzlies leave town and, and, you know, my Expos have gone away. But it looks like Toronto has really embraced the NBA. And they've had some really good teams to root for. But I just think even in those lean years, it always appears to me like there's a really good fan base there in Toronto.
5: Yeah, I think it's definitely something that I've seen grown, too, in the past. I mean, even the past couple of years. I think the We the North slogan has, I mean, as much as a marketing campaign can, has really helped the fan base and kind of given them the identity of not only Toronto, but it's really being Canada's team is kind of what they're selling. And I think that the fan base has really grown to, I would say, the Raptors are the second, uh, the second team here in Toronto over the Blue Jays at this point, and I think that they really have grown just even in the past couple of years.
3: Well, that's, and that's surprising with the Blue Jays having won some World Series. I'm surprised to hear you say that even the Raptors have kind of, you know, surpassed them a little bit. That's, you know, that, that's pretty interesting.
5: Yeah, back to back. Um, just in the 90s, not too long ago. but And perhaps it's a younger crowd, but I think that you get – these playoff games where you see the people lining up outside the stadium just, I mean, it's a giant capacity crowd outside the stadium to watch the game and it's just nuts and it's really been kind of a remarkable turnaround and I I think that the NBA obviously made a great choice in Toronto and it's being paid off as now one of the bigger markets in the NBA.
3: Yeah, And, and to, to piggyback on that, you see you know the Demar Derozan's and the Kyle Lowry's like they want to they want to stay there, they want to you know people want to go to uh, Toronto and want to want to play in that environment which I think is is huge. That's what the NBA is really uh, all about.
5: Yeah, and I think that's something you didn't have before with guys like Chris Bosh, T Mac, and um, Vince Carter obviously wanting to go stateside and not wanting to be in Toronto. I think part of it is with technology, it becomes a little bit easier to communicate across um, country border lines. And I think part of it is that the organization's just being run in a nice professional way. And Masai Ujiri has proven himself a competent executive. And when you have that, I think players more than anything want to win. And I think players think they can win in Toronto more than they ever did. That's great.
1: As a Braves fan, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear y'all talking about those Blue Jays World Series because, you know, I'm still not over 1992, so I'm going to act like I didn't hear that, but it's all good. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) But it is, the, the fan base, it is awesome. When you see those playoff games and when you see all the people outside, no matter what the weather is outside of the Air Canada Center, just a just a party, just a mass party of people watching on the big screen. You know, uh, in those postseason games, it is. You know, uh, it's infectious, and you can tell that, that they definitely love it.
5: Yeah, I mean, if you can't stand cold water or cold weather, you're not a real Canadian. So, um, <laughs> they have to come out all types of weather. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really something when you see. As many people outside the stadium watching on a Jumbotron as you have inside the ballpark.
1: Absolutely. Well, Mike, definitely appreciate you taking the time to hop on the show. Uh, Glad it worked out to have you on to give us some of that Toronto perspective as we look to see what the Raptors do entering into this postseason and see if they can uh, get that LeBron monkey off their back, get that kryptonite out of the system, and make a deep run into the. In the June, as everybody up there hopes they will.
5: Yeah, yes, sir.
1: Thank you. Hey, we appreciate it. Have a good evening. You as well. Uh Mike the City. Mike Bo Sports on Twitter. Raptorsrapture dot com. Hopping on the show. Talking Coach Casey. Talking Toronto Raptors. Talking their game against Boston this evening, when they have a two-game lead on the Celtics for the number one seed heading into the playoffs, they can pretty much lock it up if they beat Boston tonight. So, uh, good stuff for Mike. Appreciate him hopping on the show with us this evening. We got about 25 minutes left. And like I said, y'all, y'all didn't have to bring up the Toronto beating the Braves in the World Series. It's all right. Uh, I'll be fine. Uh, But the Phillies fans feel it even more because Joe Carter hit that walk-off to win it, so that's even more crushing than what they did to the Braves. But anyway, um, we got another food bracket to go to. We got NBA coming, like we talked about. MLB just starting, Uh, so we continue the fun. We'll take another quick break, and then we'll hop into the the, uh, soul music bracket, Uh, because y'all know, y'all who listen, you know, TB and I, we'll talk some food, we'll talk some music. Uh, Speaking of music, before we go to the break, uh, of course, you know, Malice and Mario, we always play their songs when we play, have our little breaks, but our friend of the show, L. Young, we had on a year or so ago from Louisville, uh, went to the talented The y pass School, Terry, that you enlightened me on. It has a new album out, and it's got a lot of old-school, old-soul sounding tunes. Uh, I meant to retweet it, but he's been putting it out on Twitter. Uh, Wrinkling Time is the name of it. So definitely want to check that out. And it didn't work out. Uh, I hate, I wasn't able to, but he was just here in Nashville uh, a couple weeks ago, and which is about three hours or so from me, but he was doing the show, a concert, in the middle of the week, so it just did not work to go. If it had been on a weekend, uh, would have went and saw him in concert, got to meet him and, and see the show in person, uh, but it just didn't work, but... Uh, He did kind of come our way because he's out on the West Coast a lot doing his thing, but we definitely hope this new album has a lot of success. So congratulations to him. And as you and I know, the talent is definitely there because he can sing. We'll take us a quick break now on the show. About 22 minutes left. Cast Talk Wednesday, Vinnie Hardy Tay Brown, Brad Hardy Radio Network. We'll be back with the Soul Food Bracket. Stay right with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, welcome back, Catch Talk Wednesday, Vinnie Hardy, Terry TV Brown, Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com, rolling right along, having fun all the way, going to get to the soul music bracket here in just a second, Uh, but a couple of news and notes from UK related, uh, basketball, and then we'll get to the other sports as well, Uh, On a positive note, Marcus Teague gets another contract with the Memphis Grizzlies, had a 10-day, signed him on to finish out the season. So that is definitely good news. Uh, He has grinded, you know, played well and played a key role in the 2012 National Championship team, Uh, was with the Bulls, but has uh, been journeying and had a lot of different stops along the way. Uh, still had a lot of good things to say about Kentucky, as did Kyle Wilcher and Daniel Orton and a lot of other guys. I think it was in the article in The Ringer. Uh, even though yep. the path hadn't been as great as they would have liked, they still look back fondly on their time at Kentucky. Um, and even Daniel Orton, who, you know, was knocking heads and didn't leave on the greatest terms, looked back. Oh, that was, you know, the greatest time of his life. So congratulations to Marcus Teague on signing on with the Grizzlies to finish out the season. Uh, so there are with uh, Andrew Harrison. So we've got two cats there. Uh, Love the well with some knucklehead stuff. His vacation starts early because he is suspended for five games from violating the NBA's substance abuse policy. Um, Five games left in the regular season. His suspension is five games, so his season is officially done. Uh, Had some other little knucklehead stuff back when he was in Philadelphia with the house that was rented and beaten up and vandalized and not taken care of, and now you have another little situation where it's just not the best judgment, and it's happened again. So hopefully we can kind of stop. Going down that path, uh, and and kind of quit doing those same little mistakes. So hated to hear that news. Congrats to Marcus. Hated to hear Nerlens with another little indiscretion
2: again.
3: But and what about A. What about Double A. Aaron Harrison giving some run with the uh, Mavericks uh, the other day? He's on his contract, and and hopefully, you know, uh, he and Teague are able to parlay that into. Uh, you know, some some structured deals in the NBA So, uh, you know, it's March And you got Aaron Harrison showing out That's pretty much what he does So <laughs> I'm glad he's, getting some, right. glad he's getting some run At the at the NBA level uh, That's uh, right glad for all those guys You know, and, and, and Nerland, come on Stop being a knucklehead Stop being a knucklehead
1: Yeah, yeah Yeah, just indiscretions and bad judgment. You just got to quit doing that. Uh, Malik Monk has had an up-and-down rookie season with uh, the Charlotte Hornets, but that baptism, as you coined the phrase, last night against Chicago, cross-court pass to him uh, at the three-point line, horrible closeout, and he took advantage of it and went right to the rim. Had a guy contest, and he double pumps, and as he's going up, double pumps, and, and just wicked finish at the rim, breathtaking finish at the rim. They're playing in the United Center, and the Chicago crowd still, you heard oohs and ahs from all the Bulls fans in the well, arena, because it was that
3: kind of a play. Well, if you, you get dunked on like that, uh, Malik Bunk, he, he is now the sausage king of Chicago. He... <laughs> he is a Froman. He he is he is that dude right now. So
2: <laughs>
3: so you got to give him got to give him his props and everything. And uh, he's just had kind of in Charlotte. I haven't really paid a whole lot of it, uh but it just appears that his minutes. If you just kind of check his minutes played, it's kind of been a yo-yo kind of scenario. So uh, I know that he had to work a little bit on his defense and that kind of thing. But you would think that. Toronto would need another dynamic score to go along with Kimba Walker, who surprisingly became the Hornets all-time leading scorer uh, here this last week, which seems seems weird to me, but then you're like, well, yeah, they've only been around for 30 years, give or take. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not like Larry Johnson played there forever. It's not like Alonzo was there forever or Glenn Rice. And you're thinking, okay, besides those guys, you know, who who would he be competing with for that honor? So it's just whenever I hear franchise, you know, all-time leading scorer, it, I just get a little you, – you think it should be somebody that's had a, a lengthy career and not like, well, Kimball Walker. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but,
1: but and that's he passed just, so that's the, the great Dale Carey.
3: Yeah, and he passed yeah, Steph Curry to get
1: there. Yeah, sure did. Yeah, but I could, so, yeah, I tell you. And you, you. can see, oh, you can see it meant a lot to him. He kind of got emotional in the interview in the post-game and the uh, post game, and you can tell that resonated with him.
3: Absolutely.
2: We
1: got one bracket down in the first hour. Second bracket. Yeah, we did the soul food bracket. If you missed it, check out the podcast slash cats talk or any of the downloadable apps: iTunes, Castbox, Stitcher, Player FM. Our little show is on every one of those. You can download, subscribe, listen anytime you like. But the second bracket, miscellaneous brackets, it's March. It's March Madness just concluded. We're just now moving on into April. Uh, Lots of things get made into brackets, and we have a Motown Madness Classic single showdown that Terry T.B. Brown found last week and put out on Cat Talk Wednesday Facebook and Twitter pages and went through it again. We hadn't got to talk about them and delve into them, and so that's what we're doing now, and T.B., what well, you got? And you know, we tweeted about kind of a lot of the artists that weren't on there. Uh, you know, Rita Franklin is not on there.
3: Um, well, well, this is this is like just Bobby Motown. Bobby Womack's now. not on there, huh? It, it's just Motown. It's not all. It's not also. It's just uh, Motown. Right. Okay.
1: Okay. And
3: yeah. uh, so, some, but it's still so a, a,
1: a heavy hitting list.
3: Yeah, so they don't have them divided up into different brackets or anything like that, anything with any kind of cohesion, I should say. But when you look <laughs> at it, uh, you've got a bracket. And there's is, this is some heavy hitters now. Superstition, mm-hmm. if you wonder. This old heart of mine, the Osley Brothers. My Girl, by the Temptations. Bernadette by the Four Tops. Every Little Bit Hurt by Brenda Holloway. I Want You Back by the Jackson Five. If I Were Your Woman. Gladys Knight and the Pips And please Mr. Postman By the Marvelettes. Let me just say that Gladys Knight and the Pips That was Mama B and Papa B's Jam
2: Because oh. we would listen
3: to those old LPs Or cassette tapes And whatnot. not and, and, and Mama B She don't get mad at me for talking about this But she would be Gladys And dad, my dad would be all the Pips And I said dad what are you <laughs> doing And he would say son You got to find a woman. You got to let her be Gladys Knight. You got to figure out how to be a pip. And let me just say, there's a lot of truth into that little nugget of information that Spotify gave me. Sometimes you got to be the pip. <laughs> yep. So, but I mean, this is this this is a, a this is a tough bracket. I, I, I just, you know, my my gut just for that story, I'm going to go with Gladys Knight, the pips. If I Were Your Woman, but man, omitting superstition, omitting my girl, Bernadette from the Four Tops, which is probably one of the most underrated love songs out there, I, but yeah, I'm going to go with Gladys Knight and the Pips, If I Were Your Woman. This bracket, I'm going to go ahead and say the number one C, the next bracket is I Heard it Through the Grapevine, the Marvin Gaye version. Now, I tweeted this mm-hmm. out. And I posted on my personal Facebook page, Marvin Gaye. I don't know if there's an artist out there that's got quite a, an eclectic just theme to all his music. You know, he's got "I Heard It Through the Grapevine," and then you know he's sexual healing. Then you got to "Give It Up," and then it's "Mercy Me, the Ecology," and then it's "What's Going On." I mean, you go through a whole gamut of emotion just listening to a Marvin Gaye playlist on, on, on repeat. I mean, he covered a lot of bases. Uh, but he's going it up against Shotgun, Junior Walker and the All-Stars, Rockin' Robin, Michael Jackson, My Guy by Mary Wells, Money, That's What I Want by Barrett Strong, which was like the first Motown hit. That was the first one to really put Motown on the map. Uh, then you got Jimmy Mack, Martha Vandellas. Someday we'll be together, and it's a shame by the spinners. I think I'd tip my hand like I did with the last bracket. I'm going to have to go Marvin Gaye Earth to the grapevine,
2: because
3: I bet you weren't how I knew. Come on with it. So that's going
0: to go on that
3: bracket. Looking at the next one, you've got Shop Around, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Take Me in Your Arms by Kim Weston. What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. What Becomes of the brokenhearted? by Jimmy Ruffin? Stop in the Name of Love by the Supreme, Needle in the Haystack by the Velvet. War by Edwin Starr, and I Can't Help Myself, Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. Look at those. It's tough not to go with the four tops because you feel like Motown, the four tops, should at least be able to get something to the final four. Maybe they will in the next bracket. But on that group, I'm going to go, What Becomes of the Broken-Hearted? Uh, simply because it, We've all been broken hearted right We've all had somebody done us wrong. we've all been dumped we've all Been down dumps it's the, it's the Lyrics it's the song It's the way he sings it That's why I'm gonna push that One out from that bracket that's why I'm going with uh, what becomes Of the broken hearted The next bracket And you talk about omission I I don't know how many songs this is. This might be 32 songs, but I don't. there's a lot of, uh, of, of Motown songs that didn't even make it, right? They didn't even make the cut. Those are your teams yeah. that didn't even get into the tournament. Uh, but this next bracket, you got <laughs> Signs Still Delivered, I'm Yours by Stevie, Do You Love Me by The Contours, Dancing in the Street, Martha and the Vandellas, Tracks of My Tears, Smokey and the Miracles, Get Ready by The Temptations, Ain't No Mountain High, uh, enough, Tammy Terrell, Marvin Gaye, Who's Loving You, the Jackson 5, and Does Your m- Mama Know About Me, Bobby Taylor, and the Vancouvers. This is tough. This bracket is tough. You got Stevie pouring his heart out, signs they deliver, The Contours, Do You Love Me? Uh, that was real big on the Dirty Dancing soundtrack for people our age. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. I mean, this this is I don't know where you go here. Ain't no mountain high enough. Uh, Tame Trail, Marvin Gaye. I mean, that's remember the Titans. You remember that that scene. Remember the Titans. But yeah. I'm gonna have to go with "Who's Loving You" by the Jackson Five. Michael Jackson was what 10, 11 when that song came out. <laughs> and again, talk yeah. about being brokenhearted. And the love you done let slip away. Ain't no 10, 11 year old supposed to be able to sing like that. But I wonder who, it is he the who, who, ain't no little kid <laughs> supposed to be able to sing like that. I mean, but that, and, and that puts it in the final four for me. All right. I know mean, I, went, oh, I yeah. went through all of them, but get, you got to get to your four. You got to get to your four.
1: Oh, it's it,
2: it at tough. the top
1: it left. Tough, I, it, yeah. And, and my mom was a huge Gladys Knight fan, and if she was playing something and wearing it out, it would be Gladys Knight. You know, nine times out of ten, that's what, if she's going to put something in and wear it out, that's what mom was going to put in. Uh all kinds of records. Dad had all kinds of stuff, but that was if it was gonna be one for mom to pick. She was always playing some Gladys Knight. Um, and like the Osby Brothers, <laughs> speak for themselves. So many hit, so many songs you could have put on here, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking and, and the, Stevie Wonder. I would go superstition out of of, coming out of that region. Stevie Wonder. Uh, I mean, there's no wrong answer. I don't know that one just resonates with me. I mean, look if you if you heard that intro right now for the very first time, and you could still be like, "Wow, man, that is something," and this. This is 40, 46 years ago that he came out with this. So, I mean, if, if for it to be that bad now, pretending you just heard it for the first time, similar, that to me is kind of like, um, you know, for the love of money, the OJ. That intro is timeless. It, it, yeah. it, it ages very well. Superstition is kind of that way for me. So I have it coming out of that region going into the final four. Uh, go down to the bottom. Like you said, it, it's, it's hard not to go with uh, with Marvin Gaye. Heard it through the grapevine. His version uh, is great. My guy, you always uh, you can't
3: be unhappy
1: listening to My Guy by Mary Wells. Same thing for Jimmy Mack. Love that. Uh, Someday We'll Be Together, Diana Ross and the Supremes, that, that is a, a strong one. But I had to go with It's a Shame by the Spinners. That song is my favorite Spinner song. And, of course, they got a, a great collection. Uh, if you remember, I know you do, Monet Love even remade it, or she rapped to it, and, and she had the sample of it in the early 90s or late 80s. Oh, um, when I was in grade school, so I go with the Spinners, facing Stevie. Stevie. Uh, on the other side, I I can't I can't find I can't have anybody knocking off Marvin and Tammy. Uh, the work they did together, uh, and there ain't no mountain high enough comes out of that one. And that is loaded, like you said, a loaded bracket. Uh, but I gotta go with that one. And up top, um, shop around, take me in your arms. What's going on by Marvin Gaye? I've, I got to go. Marvin gets it's kind of like, you know, with Bob Baffert, when he has two horses in the derby. Marvin has two songs in the final four. What's going on by Marvin Gaye gets to the final four uh, in the top right side of the bracket?
3: I, I like, and that's the thing too. All, you, you've got all these songs uh, that you don't have. Ain't too proud to beg. You don't have Cloud Nine. You don't have, you know. <laughs> you don't have all these songs. And, and you, and, you know, you you you're talking about uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips, leaving on the midnight train to Georgia. Would have probably won the whole thing if it was on here. I mean, that's, that's a powerful, powerful song. So. Uh, Stevie Wonder and Fingertips I mean you're just looking At, at just Motown mm. uh, This is a little bit later Motown but Smokey Robinson doing Cruising I mean when you look at You look at that Motown You know So, and, and there's so much You could put into these songs uh, You know and you said Marvin Gaye You could almost do a whole bracket of Marvin Gaye Songs so I mean this This is just yeah. one of those things it, it, It's kind of like what we said About Prince and I've said about Prince you can have your top five favorite Prince songs or top ten. I could have my top ten. Neither one will have the same songs on it, and we both be right. I mean, this is one of those things. <laughs> yeah. you, 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 can't, you can't really mess this up.
1: Exactly. It's like my dad said. I remember him saying this. Uh, I was a kid. And, of course, you know, when you, you find out Marvigay, how he, he tragically passed, I like think 84, yeah. and so I'm like, wow, he was he was alive for a little bit when I was, even though you don't really remember it and all that. But I was, I don't know, maybe 10, I don't know, three, four years after he died, four, five years after he died. But growing on up, and, and I remember my dad saying, now just, you know, as, as amazing as Marvin was, in the 70s and 80s, imagine him now. Imagine if he had been around in the 80s and 90s with the way technology came into music and the different sounds and and all the different changes. You know, Marvin would have been, what, in his 50s, in the 90s, still no doubt with 20 left in the tank. So, I mean, just imagine what he would have been able to do if later on in his career if he had the opportunity, and that is mind-boggling in itself.
3: Yeah, and that's what he, he did so much. He covered so much ground. His sound was always evolving. When you when you look at Marvin, I mean, you know, sexual healing was in the '80s. You know, and he had already had no. to get it on. When you, I mean, look if you if you were having a romantic night with your and the other, you've got to have Marvin Gaye on the playlist. It, he's He's his got to come up at some point I mean I, I went to a wedding where Let's Get It On was the first dance song I don't know if I would do that But I would definitely have that As a location You know for date night I mean I don't know if I'd quite do that I think that's a little much But uh, but yeah so I, I put the, Those brackets On uh, On both of uh, I, Well I put them on uh, Twitter I'll make sure they're on Facebook so people can take a look and comment and give us some some feedback. But man, yeah, you started talking about Motown; they were the jams of the jams. No, <laughs>
1: absolutely.
3: So who you got winning it all? <clears throat> all right. So when I when I look at it, uh, let 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 me just remind folks my my uh, my final four. I've got. Uh, uh, Gladys Knight, and The Pips. Uh, if I were your woman, uh, taking on this one. Did I have it? I think I had. It, yeah. I think I had I have heard it through the grapevine. That's what I had, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I've got, I've got Gladys moving on it's the championship game on the other side. I've got what becomes the broken-hearted, and I've got that going against who's loving you. And I got "Who Is Loving You" moving on, and I've actually got "Who Is Loving You" moving, moving. That's that's a quarter of this bracket. That's my champ is "Who's Loving You," wow. Jackson Five.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow, that is all right. Um, I got I have the uh, the Spinners. It's a shame going up against superstition, and I got the Spinners taking that. And then I had What's Going On by Marvin Gaye going up against Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Marvin Gaye and Real, so Marvin on Marvin Crown. Um, I got Ain't No Mountain High Enough getting to the championship. But I got the spinners cutting down the nets. It's a shame. Just, once again, I don't know, just something about the, the opening, the tempo, The guitar, just everything about it, I got it taken down, taken on all comers, and emerging victorious when you look at this particular Motown Madness classic singles countdown break. And
3: when you talk about spinners, working my way back to you, babe, was Papa Brown's favorite song ever. Even when hmm. he was going through dementia and all that, he could still sing and do some choreography to work on my way back to you, baby. Oh, man, that, that takes me back right there. But like I said, you've got these artists. They've all got these songs. And, and what I really love about music is you can listen to a song. You can, like you talk about, you can just get just the first couple of bars, just the first couple of bars of a song, and you are taking – from your current place to another place, and it's just, I mean, that's that's the power of music right there. Absolutely. So we did the soul music
1: bracket, Motown bracket, and soul food bracket. Speaking of soul food, before we jump off, where is the soul food place in Louisville? Or Is there more than one? Is there a particular one that's better than all the others?
2: I mean, I go go to to
3: Indy. I, I go to Indy. Mm. That's my go-to place. Uh, I even got Little Miss is a big fan. It's all a little spicy, uh, but, mm-hmm. but she likes it. I get the, I get the rib tip dinner with, with an extra side of greens and some wedges. She likes to get uh, some of the chicken tenders and some wedges with a little bit of mac and cheese, and that's, that's our jam. Uh, they've got like four or five mm. locations. There's one in Lexington as well. Uh, I'm doing all this talk, yeah. and they need to come be a sponsor.
2: But
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> they man, they got <laughs> uh, the the original one is is a couple of blocks away from Little Miss's school. So you know when there's stuff going down, uh, you know for their school, I always on the way back when we finish up, I'm gonna hit indies and get a little something on the way home. <laughs> there you go. And I'm
1: you know, we both out there talking to people are trying to do that, but if anybody, and I have to say it live next time, anybody you or anybody you know has business that would like to be promoted on the show, just have them holler at Terry or myself. Uh, post that on the Facebook page. You need to put that on Twitter. Uh, so Definitely something is, is definitely going to happen in that regards uh, at some point in time for sure because we're both grinding at it. Uh, if I'm in Charlotte, I can tell you that merch. Is the place to go for soul food. It's right downtown. Every time my wife and I are over there, we stop in, and and you know the collard greens, macaroni, the catfish, fried chicken, whatever it is you want to do. Our best friends, the, you know, we talk about Tony and Casey. They got a little boy that's our same age uh, as our little boy. and They just had a little girl, but uh, our kids all play like like three little brothers when they're all together. Uh, When we all went to Charlotte, we took them over to Mertz, uh, downtown Charlotte on College Street, and they came out raving about it. Uh, My wife's sister had told us about it when we first got married. If y'all ever take y'all trips to Charlotte, make sure you go to Mertz. So we always do, and they're ready to drive straight over to Charlotte just to go to Mertz. So that's that's how good it is. So we got Indies in Louisville, Lexington, Mertz over in Charlotte. uh, So food, as long as it's done right, you can't go wrong. So uh, whether it's at a restaurant or you got aunts and grandmas doing it up on the weekend, you can't go wrong.
3: Absolutely. You know, Mama B be throwing down some too. (laughs)
1: That's right. That's right. When she starts to get into it, so absolutely. Yes, sir. Man, we've had a ball. Appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate Fred Owens and Mike DeSetti hopping on, talking Braves and Raptors respectively. This time next week, we'll probably have a little more clarity on who's staying and who's going. I also have to work in some – spring football, because not this Friday, but the next Friday, the 13th, got the, the spring game at Kroger Field. I'll take my boys up there uh, and check that out again, see what the quarterback battle is looking like, and Terry Touchdown and Gunner Hoke, as well as the rest of the positions and depth chart and how all that shakes out. So we'll be talking about all that next week in addition to the NBA and whatever else happens between now and then in the world of sports. Check out what Terry's writing on caramelsradio.com. He's cranking out piece after piece. i to get in there and uh, let something percolate so I can write something. It's been a little bit, but I'll have to put something else up there. When something strikes my little mind, uh, but we always have fun. Check out what we we'll write right there, and check it out on our Facebook page and Twitter, Cats Talk Wed. Check out the brackets. TB just posted them. Let us know what y'all think, and we'll do it all this again next Wednesday. Yep. Thanks everybody
3: for listening. We'll see you next week. That's right.
1: Appreciate you as always. TV. Enjoy the rest of the spring break with Big Miss and Little Miss. I know y'all gonna have fun between now and Sunday night when it's time to get back into the school
3: grind again. Oh, they 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 they're gonna go back. You know they talk about. Well, I don't know. Are you going back out of here? You're going back out of here got to do something. <laughs> my, I used to, my dad used oh, to man. say, i get ready for school. He's like, you going out of here or you got to fight me. So that's, that's the way it works. You go to school or you get a job.
1: <laughs> there you go. Laying down the law. <laughs> we had fun. Appreciate everything TV with the next week. Appreciate everybody listening. From Man Chase TV Brown, this is Vinny Hardy. Join us next Wednesday for another episode of Cast Talk Wednesday. Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. We'll see y'all. Thanks again.